Good evening and welcome to Intrepid Radio. This is your host, Todd Schnick. So I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. This isn't one of my standard shows where I typically interview book authors. This show, I am interviewing someone truly living an intrepid life, and this is going to be a great discussion. So joining me tonight is Joel Runyon, who made a decision not long ago to live a life accomplishing impossible things. Welcome to the show, Joel. Hey, thanks for having me, Todd. Excited to have you. So before we dive in, Joel, spend a minute telling us a little bit about you, your background, and what you do with your work day to day. Okay, so uh, during the day, um, I've got a 9-to-5 job um, in Indianapolis. I work for a marketing agency uh, called Fat Atom Internet Marketing. That's fat as in large and atom as in molecule. Uh, it's not a person. But uh, I'm the marketing director for uh, an Internet marketing agency, and uh, I do a lot of, like, brand strategy, um, client relations, uh, pay-per-click marketing, Facebook marketing, social media, email strategy for uh, quite a few clients in our area. And um, I think uh, where I met you, Todd, was uh, kind of – that's during my 9-to-5 time of life. But uh, uh, once I get done with that, I do a, I run a blog. It's called The Blog of Impossible Things. And uh, over there, I kind of write about um, some of the, quote-unquote, impossible things that I'm uh, trying to do with my life, um, the different things I'm training for. And, um, yeah, so I'm just – some some thoughts on life and things I've learned uh, through different athletic endeavors and different adventures uh, that I've gone on. Well, and it's it's this blog of impossible things that we're going to dive into tonight. Uh, maybe down the road we can talk a little bit more about some of the actual work that you're doing with with the day jobs. We're both in marketing, but what prompted this decision, this this new adventure of yours of living a life accomplishing impossible things? I and mean, what started that? Okay, well, yeah. So I've been I've been blogging for like four or five years on and off. I had, um, I had, you know, blogs that would start up and stop. Um, and during, um, during my college years, I was always, uh, doing something really exciting during either my spring breaks or my summer breaks. Um, I went down to Mississippi. I helped with Hurricane Katrina. I went to, uh, Jamaica, did some work down there. Uh, I lived in the Dominican Republic for three and a half months. I uh, I traveled to Spain for six weeks. I was always traveling, doing something that was um, really interesting or intriguing because when you're traveling, you know, everything's kind of new and exciting to you and you feel like you always have some sort of story to tell. Then I kind of got done with that and I I graduated college and I kind of got into this workforce and I graduated in uh, 2009 and that was not the greatest year to graduate ever. And so... I was kind of like, I'm just calling out as it. Um, not the greatest year to graduate, so I was kind of dinking around, not doing a whole lot with my life, and I was kind of looking back on uh, kind of college and seeing, you know, I always had something cool I was doing. I always had something interesting uh, to talk about because I always had, you know, these travels, these adventures that I was going on. And I I had convinced myself that because I was, you know, kind of, you know, in I was an adult now, or whatever you want to say, call it, um, I wasn't able to do any of those things. You know, I was just supposed to go to my work, put in my hours, and then come home and be done. And I really got tired of thinking like that. I, de- I decided, you know what, 
maybe maybe I don't have the the time or ability to travel as much as I want to right now, but that doesn't mean I have to stop doing things I want to do. And so I had a whole list of things that I wanted to do, and only a few of those were actually traveling um, related. A lot of the other things were like uh, I wanted to run a triathlon, but I I decided I never could do it just because. You know, who runs triathlons? I didn't know anybody who ran a triathlon ever. Um, if I don't know anybody who ran a triathlon. How could I ever do one? Um, and just a lot of stuff like that. Like I had um, triathlons, uh, marathons, um, different adventure activities I wanted to go on. And I just kind of disqualified myself from doing them because I had told myself at some point down the road that I wasn't going to be able to do them. And so uh, there came a point uh, early last year about, February, January uh, 2010, where I just decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. And I I, I made this list a little bit more formal. I called it my list, um, my impossible list or my list of impossible things. Um, And I started my blog up back in April where I just decided, you know what, Um, this is sort of a life change I want to make. This is something that I want to do. And I'm going to start blogging again. And I'm going to start having adventures again, and I'm going to write about stuff that I'm going to be proactive and go out and do and accomplish um, because I really want to. And uh, so that's kind of how the the whole story got started. And then, and honestly, when I started, I just wanted to do it for me. It was something that I wanted to do because I was just bored with life. I was tired of not having anything to talk about. Um, and I was like, I'm I'm living a if my sto- if my life was a story right now, nobody would want to read it. And so I just kind of started it, and then people started kind of coming along and reading my blog and telling me they they really enjoyed what I was writing, and uh, it kind of turned into a whole whole new animal that I didn't really expect from the beginning. Well, it's one of those lifestyle blogs that that people uh, kind of live vicariously through you, and and, and th- those kind of blogs can be uh, enormously successful. Yeah. Um, it is, and it's it's what's really interesting is because um, one of the things that I've tried to um, impart on a lot of the people that either read or follow me on Twitter or you know pay attention to me in some way, shape, or form is the the greatest, the biggest thing I get excited about when people write me and talk to me is about um, when they actually go out and do something on their own. I've had people um, write in and tell me that you know readings help them start their own blog. Um, start their, you know, run their own triathlon, and um, you know, even even stuff that I don't necessarily talk about all the time. I don't talk about travel all the time. It's a big part of my life, but I don't talk about it all the time. But I've had people come up and decide to move their family halfway across the world because they want to do something different with their life. And that kind of stuff is really, really interesting to me because I think you're right. It's very easy to become uh, uh, entertainment piece or uh, you know, people can live vicariously through you, but my real goal in, in having other people, you know, read uh, about my journey is actually to inspire them to do something. Um, I'm really, really big on doing because otherwise you're just consuming more information and it's great and it could be inspiring, but it's really not productive in a sense. You wrote a blog post recently about truly thinking outside the box. Uh, uh, you and I actually <laughs> engaged a bit in the comments on it. Tell our audience <laughs> the message you were trying to convey with that post. Yeah, so the idea behind that post was, so everybody tells you to think outside the box, right? 
um, which is kind of ironic if everybody's telling you to think outside the box, then you're all still kind of thinking inside a big box. You're all thinking, hey, we should all think outside the box together. It it doesn't really make sense to me. And so what I've realized is when people are starting to tell you, hey, think outside the box, a lot of the times they don't actually want you to think outside the box. A lot of the times they're trying to get you to think like them. Usually that's because their their viewpoint isn't accepted in the norm or they don't feel like it's been accepted by whoever they need they need that viewpoint to be accepted by. And so they're like, hey, come think like me. Um what I've really tried to uh, kind of encourage people at my site to do is, uh, you know, don't think outside the box. If you're going to think outside the box, truly think outside the box. Don't don't think like I think just because I said that my way is different and so it's better. Um, really evaluate things and, and evaluate them on the merit of what they are. Uh, find your own way sometimes. A lot of times people are like, uh, I have a, it's kind of like 180 degree thinking. So people are going one way and they say, you should think like this. And then people, people are like, Hey, I don't believe that's the way to go. Let me think like this. And so they go complete, do a complete 180 of what the other people were thinking. And usually the reaction to the 180 is saying, Hey, you guys should all follow me. A lot of times though, that's not what they actually want to happen. To truly think for yourself, you don't have to listen to, you can take, you can let other people's opinions influence you, but it really comes down to you evaluating something for yourself. And if you don't evaluate it for yourself, you're not actually thinking critically. You're just allowing other people, you know, another another viewpoint to influence you, and you're not really thinking outside the box. You're just thinking exactly however, um, how a, a different subset of people wants you to think. Well, what I loved about the post was it, people. I mean, it was I'd never thought of thinking outside the box that way before. In a way that it's people still trying to get you to conform, and that's what was so scintillating to me about about that whole concept. Yes, um, I, I think that's a good good way to put it. It's still it's still conforming. It's just conforming to a different viewpoint. It kind of reminds me of uh, I'm not trying to pick on a. a, a uh, section of people, but I remember the goth kids in high school. Um, oh yeah. The goth, the goth kids would dress up and they would be all different on purpose, and they would say, um, you know, we're not going to be like all the preps and the jocks, you know, in the rest of the school. We're not going to be like that because we're we're not going to conform. We're going to be different. But at the same time, they're still grouping themselves in a you know in a collective of ideas and. Um, viewpoints and beliefs, and I don't think it's wrong to want to belong, but if you're just accepting something because it's different and not because you've thought it through and critically think about why you're, you know, why you agree with those ideas or values, then it's it's not really different than um, conforming to whatever group or people or, or viewpoint that you that you want. It's just a different viewpoint at that point. At that point, it's not a, a value of nonconformity, if you will. All the uh, goth kids that were in my school are all now working nine to five corporate gigs, living in cubicles. <laughs> hey, do me a favor. How does someone else, someone living inside that box, living in that cubicle, living a boring, ordinary life, how do they just break out of that? I mean, you just made the decision. You said, "I like, I like to just do." Why why are people so damn afraid of just getting out there and doing? Well, I think it's really scary because a lot of the people, I think a lot of the people are kind of an extremist on one end or the other. 
So you get people who could never, ever imagine uh, not working outside of a cubicle, and you have the people who could never, ever imagine having to deal with a cubicle all day. You very rarely get people in the middle who can understand and relate to the two sides. So, so for somebody stuck in a cubicle all day, you know, maybe maybe the first step for them isn't to just quit their job, um, you know, move to Southeast Asia and, like, sell all their stuff. You know, that's a, that's a pretty drastic move from, you know, coming in with a, a stable paycheck every single week. Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty big leap. Um, and so that distance they'd have to jump to make that, that, that leap can be pretty scary. But uh, one of the things that, you know, it just it doesn't have to be that scary to make big jumps. Um, for me, one of the things I really wanted to change in my life was I just wanted to do a triathlon. And at first I was like, oh, crap, this is scary. I'm going to drown. Um, <laughs> the biggest fear right there. And I, I, I was convinced I was going to drown. Um, and so I just got in the pool and I just swam a couple laps. And I got out and I just did that for a couple days. And, you know, I didn't try to go ahead and do an Ironman from day one. I, uh, I started out simple. I, uh, I ran one or two miles a day. I got in the pool and swam a couple laps. Um, and I just did it little by little. And then I was able to do, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a pro triathlete at all, but I did three triathlons last year. Um, before last year, I had never run more than three miles in my life. And I have a marathon training for that's coming up this May. Um, that I'm feeling pretty good about. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. But, um, you know, it it doesn't happen uh, right away. And I think the, the scary part for a lot of people is thinking, oh, I have to make all these drastic changes immediately. For somebody, for somebody who's never done anything like that before, it can be really scary. Um, and so I think, I think the key there is just making very, very small steps, just, you know, uh, eking your way out and and trying new things one at a time and as you as you start trying stuff you realize there it's really not that scary there aren't the bad scenarios that you plan in your mind are a lot worse than the ones that actually happen um, so I think I think that's definitely part of it well you know I can I can vouch for that I, I I'm I'm a distance runner myself but I've only been doing it the last year and a half I, I was sitting on my fat ass on Thanksgiving morning 2009 and there's a very famous turkey day Thanksgiving day run full and half marathon here in Atlanta and and uh I was sitting on my fat butt watching Macy's parade and all my uh and all my uh friends were on Twitter reporting that they had just completed the marathon. I thought, what are you doing? Get off your fat butt and get out there and do it yourself and so I committed to run a, a half marathon at that time and place and i it scared me to death because like you, I'd never run half a mile in my life uh <laughs> and so uh, it, you're right it, it was uh you know I had a a, a person train with me and, and and the plan that she came up with was a very simple, small steps at a time kind of a training, and, and it was very doable. And I've since completed three. I'm running my fourth in a few months, and doing my first full next spring. So I mean, it's uh, that advice of just small steps, one at a time, is really how you accomplish these kinds of big things. Yeah, I totally agree. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, that's better than me. You're showing me up. Well, I didn't run. I haven't run three triathlons. I just ran three half marathons for God's sake. So. 
There you go. Thank you for, for the flattery. Hey, Duke, let's have some fun. Share some of the other impossible things that you've done to date. Yeah, so um, last year was kind of my big, like, jump into things, and I uh, I uh, started off with a bunch of different stuff. So the uh, main thing last summer was uh, I did three triathlons. Um, along the way, um, I did a 10K, uh, which I wrote on my blog. I came second place in my 10K. Uh, my first 10K ever, and it wasn't because I was fast. It was just because I showed up. Um, there was, it was one of the smallest 10Ks I've ever seen in my entire life, um, and it was just in this little small town in Indiana, and I signed up for it. I said I was going to do it because um, I needed to do a 10K, and uh, I ended up coming in second, which just cracked me up. It was it was not a fast time, but it's just one of those things, you know, showing up is half the battle. Um, yeah, I ran that's a the message there. On. Yeah. I uh, I ran a half marathon in November on a bomb IT band. I had my IT band hurting the entire time, and I just decided I was going to run it anyways. And then uh, I, I I published an ebook, which I actually haven't announced on my blog. I published an ebook for most of my email subscribers. I haven't really given that away, but that was one of those things that I was like, you know what, I I want to publish an ebook, um, and I never thought I could do it, and then I just you know decided you Joel, oh, shut up, yes you can. And I, I went ahead and did it. Um, a couple other things I have on tap this year. I'm um, I'm scheduled to run a uh, full marathon uh, this May, May 15th up in uh, Illinois, uh, just north of Chicago. And then I uh, I also have a half Ironman on my to-do list. So I'm planning to run a half Ironman this this fall, barring all injuries and um, all of that. And I'm also taking a group of 40, 40 plus people skydiving in Portland in June. I uh, I really enjoy the endurance activities, but I also just uh, enjoy adrenaline sports. And so I've never been skydiving before. I decided I was really scared to do it. And there's a conference going up in Portland that I was going to, and I knew a couple people wanted to go skydiving. So I asked who wanted to go skydiving, got 40 people to sign up with me, and uh, we're all going to be jumping out of a plane in Portland in June. So that's going to be that's going to be a blast slash really really scary but it's gonna be fun yeah you know i uh i saw I, you're, you're talking about chris gilbo's world domination summit right yes chris gilbo is one of my yeah, favorites yeah no i i saw him uh actually tweet uh a link to something where he was talking about you and this gang of 40 that were going to do the skydiving so that's that's that is he is he going to do it with you i don't know i don't know about chris i uh i think he's really busy but i i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna taunt him i think um, I don't yeah, know. I think you should talk. <laughs> um, I'm like, Chris, this is your event. Um, I talked to him actually beforehand about it, and I wanted to make sure it was going to be okay with the schedules and everything. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to organize it and figure it out. And I think he thought I was a little bit crazy, but uh, I just uh, I decided to do it, and, you know, we'll figure out uh, figure out everything else on the way. I've got, a, I've got a little bit of experience doing logistics and stuff like that, so um, – It'll be it'll be a fun trip. I I know probably eighty percent of the people that are jumping personally, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be fun. Uh, if, yeah, if I, I was to, I was gonna I try to, to die, be at that. Yeah, if I have to die in one way, uh, falling out of an airplane with forty other really awesome people is gonna be a a pretty good way to go. So 
That's um, not that's a bad way to write the final chapter, no doubt about it. I was hoping to make that <laughs> summit. I, I just my schedule just didn't permit. And I wouldn't worry if a nonconformist like Chris Gilbo thinks you're crazy, then I, you're probably doing something right. Um, let me <laughs> let me ask you this: a lot of people write out and publish their bucket lists, but most of them never accomplish it. You're actually living the bucket list, and as you say, you're living a great story. Why, and we talked earlier about, you know, good content for a blog, but why is living a great story so important? Well, I think a lot of people start blogging, and they quickly run out of stuff to talk about. Um, After a while, talking about your cat and how it rolls over and makes this funny face, like, it's really not that interesting. Um, And so one of the things I keep coming back to is, you know, one of the things I can always tell with my blog is, if I'm struggling to write about something, it's probably not because of writer block. It's probably because I'm not doing anything worth writing about. Um, when I'm doing lots of interesting things and stuff worth writing about, it comes really easily to me. And it's not its not like I'm a, a master writer or, you know, a wordsmith by any means, but it's just it's so much easier to write from experiences and to share those experiences with people and, um, tell them about how those have affected you, then you try to come up with something, you know, that's not really, and I hate this word because it's used so so often, but authentic. Um, but to come up with something that seems authentic when it's really not, because if you're not doing, like, if you're not living a great story or writing something um, that's interesting um, or doing something that's interesting, chances are you're probably not going to write anything that's interesting. And um, to me, the two just go hand in hand. And, People want to read about people doing interesting stuff. It's part of, um, like you mentioned earlier, people want to live vicariously through others. And while I I really don't want people just to live vicariously through me, I want them to do their own thing, Um, I think that's an important element because people can't get engaged with somebody who's sitting on their couch watching TV every day. You know, that's not – everybody can do that. Um, But if you really stand up to, to what you're scared of, and you have these things that you really want to do and you actually have the courage to go after them, uh, that's a lot more rare, and people people take notice. Yeah, I mean, that's a great way. I mean, the biggest struggle that a lot of people have in terms of content generation is, oh, yeah, I get the blogging is important to my business, um, but I just don't know what the hell I'd write about. And, and that's a, I'm going to steal what you just said there. And, and, yeah, if you're not doing anything interesting, yeah, you are going to struggle. Uh, and, and it doesn't necessarily apply to running triathlons or or giving big chunks of money away to charity or jumping out of airplanes. It, I mean, you can apply that to day-to-day operation of a business doing remarkable things. I, I, I completely agree. I get um, – I'll talk to businesses every once in a while because I'm in, I'm in marketing too. People think social media is some savior that's going to fix their business when – you know, if they're being, if you're treating your customers bad, if you're not giving good customer service, if your, if your product isn't really anything special, and you're just competing on costs, like a lot of times, you know, maybe there's nothing to blog about. Nobody wants to talk about you, and nothing's really going to happen. But if you're really creating a remarkable service for people that actually helps people and provides um, people with something they need, um, and you do it in a way that you know nobody else does, some some way that's remarkable. Um, you know, people people want to talk about that. People want to talk about stuff that's interesting, that's intriguing, that's helpful, that's useful. And so people want to kind of slap marketing on the end and say, sell this thing that I've made. And that's that's where marketers get a bad name. I think, um, you know, 90% of marketing is in the 
production of the good or the service um, and creating something that really meets a need and then and then going out and um, the people are going to come after you when you do that. Joel, we are about out of time, but before I let you go, please tell the audience how they can find you online, how they can get in touch with you, and how they can follow this journey of your impossible things. Yeah, um, so you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Joel Runyon, J-O-E-L-R-U-N-Y-O-N. You can find my blog. It's at joelrunyon.com. Um, and if you can't find that URL, you can always just search for the blog of impossible things uh, on Google or Yahoo or Bing or wherever you feel like, and uh, you should be able to find me. I'm, uh, and just shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Um, give me a shout and tell me what you're doing. And if you start your own impossible person, I'd love to hear about it. Thank you, my friend. It was a, a pleasure to finally connect and to spend a few minutes with you. Thanks for making some time to join us tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks thanks again for having me, Todd. I, I had a blast. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. And that wraps another great episode. I am your host, Todd Schnick, and we'll see you next time on Intrepid Radio.